As we approach the end of 2021, the housing affordability crisis and the underlying housing shortage driving it are becoming more and more prominent as households experience challenges finding affordable housing. Going back through the catalog of podcast episodes, this is something we've covered extensively. You know, there's a lot that's contributed to it. You know, there are economic reasons, public policy reasons, NIMBYism, the list goes on and includes national, state, and even neighborhood level barriers. One of the consistent themes on closing the affordable housing gap is zoning and land use policy. It's hard to build anything if it's not allowed, and it's hard to do anything about that if local zoning and land use regulations are inaccessible or virtually impossible to understand without specialized expertise. On today's episode, we're going to look at one innovation in understanding zoning that gives some reason for optimism. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Freddie Mac Multifamily Podcast. I'm Steve Guggenmoss. And I'm Corey Aber. Today on the show, we're excited to talk about a new way that zoning and land use regulations are being demystified and made accessible to the public. We are joined today by Leila Bani-Jamali, the CEO of Symbium, a new company that has taken on the challenge of making zoning accessible to the general public through some really innovative technology. Symbium has already put their technology to use in working with the city of San Francisco and the city of San Mateo, as well as developers and nonprofits throughout California. They've been well-recognized by both the Ivory Prize for Housing Affordability and Facebook's Housing Innovation Fund. Layla, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Corey. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me. All right. So California has been very active in the past few years in thinking about and implementing changes to land use regulations to address the supply and affordability issue there. Symbium started around the same time working on some of these changes. So let's start with a little background on what Symbium is and how you started and how your work ties into some of these big changes in California. Yeah, sure. So Symbium's mission is to use our what we call comp law technology or computational law technology to make complex zoning codes and large data sets so much easier for the public to navigate. Uh, In our world, you should be able to perform a structured, complex search and get answers, not just links and documents like you would if you were going to do a search on Google. So in effect, we're helping homeowners, planners, real estate agents, pretty much everyone in the housing development space understand what's possible on any property, starting with California. And this is something that my co-founders and I started working on when we were still at Stanford. It is really a daunting task uh, to take on something like this because I know just looking at at zoning laws and and um, trying to figure out what's relevant to you and then thinking about your lot and things like that. How how did you get through? And uh, what was the path to to get to what your final work product is here? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, uh, like I said, we were at Stanford, you know, just a few years ago, working on this technology, trying to understand what's the best way to apply our comp law tech. And I think to answer that question, I think we have to take a step back and define what exactly comp law is. Comp law is basically just mechanizing laws and regulations, making them so much easier to navigate and essentially creating a web application out of complex laws and regulations in the same way that Intuit's TurboTax created a new experience from the IRS tax code. We're doing that, something very similar with zoning and planning codes. So we had developed this technology uh, to mechanize these complex regulations and regulatory processes. Uh, We identified a major deficiency in the public's experience of 
government regulations, particularly in the planning and housing space. And since housing has been a hot topic, in fact, it's been a, as you know, a crisis topic, we started this exploration of how might we contribute to the conversation using our technology. And so we started by identifying a new statewide law in California, where we're based, that allows every homeowner to build two additional units, what's called accessory dwelling units. It could be, you know, uh, converting your garage into a unit and renting it out uh, to some, you know, to a student. It could be uh, creating a studio shed in your in your backyard and you know put your uh, aging sort of parents in there. And this California-wide law allowed homeowners to build two additional units on their properties as of right. And so we decided to create a web application that was sort of a Google Maps for planning so that anyone could visualize their property with an ADU on it and get turn-by-turn directions on what exactly can be built and how to build it according to the zoning codes, according to cost estimates and designs that developers have uploaded into our system. So all of that started with that one particular use case, accessory dwelling units. Now, I want to get into that further, but also um, before we get there, that was just the start, right? So you, you've built on the technology a little bit as well, right? That's correct. Yeah, pretty significantly, actually. <laughs> so, so what else are you looking at um, beyond ADUs? Uh, so let, let's look at sort of the whole of zoning and, and land use that you're focused on, and then, then we can go into some of the specifics. Yeah, sure, sure. So we started with ADUs, and then there was another use case. Uh, and this is, by the way, we did these largely in partnership with cities, but we also just decided to take the initiative and build this, these kinds of systems so that the public could access them for free and perform these types of inquiries. Uh, another use case was taking the commercial zoning regulations and putting it into our map so that, for example, in San Francisco or the city of San Mateo, anyone could understand whether or not they could open a particular type of business, let's say a cafe at a particular address or show me where in all of the city of San Francisco I can open a cafe that also happens to be on the second floor that's part of a chain and so on and so forth. A very, very complex structured search and to be able to visualize the results of that. Then we took that and we integrated both of those things into a property and permitting information portal that we just launched at the beginning of this month, November, 2021. And it allows anyone to understand what's possible on their properties. You know, you could visualize your property, you could see it in 3D, you could see the built environment around it, your neighbors or any lot that you want and view the permit history for it, which will give you a sense of what's possible on that property. But it'll also allow you to perform those feasibilities with regards to business and uh, the ADU uh, feasibility in the cities that you know we had partnered with. So, uh, so that's kind of a, a little bit of a backstory now, moving forward, we're revolutionizing key areas of user experience in the housing space for the public. And it's pretty much broken down into three primary components. So the first is search, the ability for homeowners, real estate agents, and really the general public to, like I said, get answers to their search inquiries about any property, not just a search that yields links and documents like I was talking about earlier. The second is data. So all of your property data in one place. And the third is services. So gaining control over what do the regulations mean for your particular situation in an instant with just a few clicks. And so that search data and services comprises the main components of 
this new revolution for our permitting and property information portal available at symbium.com. Wow. So so let's take a let's go back to ADUs for a second and just uh how did you get all of the information necessary, pull all that together to answer that one question of you know, can I put an ADU on my property and, and what can I do with that? How did you go about pulling all of that together? So uh, it's a great question. The regulations are statewide. And as you know, laws and regulations are publicly available. Normally they're published somewhere. Maybe it's AM legal, maybe it's muni code, but all laws and regulations are available to the public, which makes systems like ours, uh, in fact, ours is the only one that I'm aware of, (laughs) uh, easy to access that type of information, that data. And then for us to be able to program it, to feed those rules and regulations to our computer program so that they can reason with it. You know, we're also creating this massive web of structured data, this knowledge graph, and that enables users to seamlessly realize how they're connected to these sort of deep searches and which are typically not normally feasible. So that's one area, uh, Steve, is finding that uh, online, different sources. Data is also publicly available. The data about your property is all available in assessor offices. Sometimes it's on their websites. Anyone can access this. But no one really knows what those mean. What do those mean for, so what if I'm an R1 zone? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for what I can build and you know what the neighborhood can be and um, not just what I'm required to do, but what I'm allowed to do? And that feasibility is really what's missing from these uh, components. So you know, I can't talk too much about technically how we do these things, but that gives you an idea of you know the information we're using is readily available everywhere. And we just use our, our computer code to uh, mechanize it. Yeah, and I think that it's it's really fantastic. Like you say, that it, probably worth stressing again that you you process all this information and you don't get them back to links to documents. Kind of kind of like in your comparison to um, the tax, like TurboTaxes. Turbo nobody you know goes and wants to get the the base tax documents. They just want to be able to get their taxes done. And you've gotten to the point where people don't need to get very thick documents, but you you let them see where on the property they can fit an ADU. Um, is that right? Or maybe you can talk about a little bit about the user experience. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, you know, the way I envision the future is you should be able to visualize the laws and regulations. They should come to you at the moment that you need it the most. Uh, one of my co-founders, Mike Genesrith, who's a professor at Stanford, actually still he's, he's uh, there, wrote this white paper, this uh, sort of um, paper on on computational law, introducing the concept to the world. And in one of his examples, you know, he's talking about the cop in the back seat where you're kind of driving your car across state lines. Well, the car should be able to tell you exactly what the speed limit is. You know, as you're driving, let's say, across from California to Nevada, it should say, hey, slow down, uh, Corey. You know, it's it's uh, speed limit here is 60. You might want to press on the brakes. Your car should be able to tell you that. You shouldn't have to find out after the fact, after a police officer has pulled you over and now you have to defend yourself you know, at a great cost. So this is our vision of the future is at the time that you want it the most, you should, you should have full control over uh, large sets of your own data and to be able to navigate that instantly with just a few clicks. And by the way, this is not just applicable to the housing space, but we can talk about that a little bit later on. So when we think about some of the the markets that that you're working in and putting this into practice, it sounds like the ADU uh, aspect is one thing, but 
but when you think about uh, you know, development more broadly, and you said you worked a lot with planners and and with local authorities, like how did how did that factor into the into the work? You know, it's really interesting. It's a great question, by the way, Corey. So. One of the concerns that we had initially with this type of technology was that people are going to look at it, you know, and say, well, I don't love this because it feels like it's going to take over my job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, and that was sort of something that we did hear from time to time. But I have to say the overwhelming majority of people who to whom we provided a demo responded really positively in what we learned just, you know, shadowing planners at these planning counters in different cities was that the type of work that they're most excited about is actually not the type of work that they spend most of their time on. And so for planners, most of the work that they were, you know, responding to had to, were inquiries like, can I build this? How much does it cost? Where can it be located on my property? What forms do I fill? You know, these are all very sort of redundant questions that planners do not, I mean, would you want to spend your time answering these questions? No. You know, a lot of these questions too are very non-discretionary in nature. They're black and white, either yes or no. If X, then Y, right? So these types of inquiries can be automated. And the plea from planners was, if you can help us to automate this, if you can help us to streamline this and help make the public better informed consumers, then by the time they get to the counters, we can approve their projects much faster. And their project applications will be more complete when they're submitted. And that's the impact that we've seen of our work. In fact, in some jurisdictions, the planners request the public to submit a Symbium report with, for example, their ADU applications, because they know that the report is actually more correct when it comes to non-discretionary regulation review than planner A or planner B or planner C, each of whom may likely have a different response at the counter. That's really powerful to think about the, the planners thinking about their day-to-day and as you say, some, the, doing things in their day-to-day that they're not really um, you know, top of their list or the things that they're most interested in and then seeing how this kind of takes care of a bunch of that stuff for them. You talked about demos. Have you also done demos with homeowners or or people considering? Um, and and what's been the reaction from them? Yeah, we have. We have. There's a few groups that we primarily focused on at launch. Of course, the big one was homeowners. So having a conversation with them, we actually sent out a survey to uh, tens of thousands of homeowners across California whom we knew had built ADUs based on the state data. And we asked them to complete the survey talking about their experience, what it was like building an ADU. And there were a lot of major bottlenecks that we you know, saw pretty much across the board consistently having primarily to do with regulations, not knowing how long it would actually take to go through the process or the cost of what a project like this might look like, among other really valuable insights that we from those surveys. And then, of course, the UX experience, the user testing of just watching homeowners before we even launch these tools to the public interact with these systems just to see, do they understand what this workflow is? What are the expected navigations that they would like to see? Where do they get stuck? What's missing for them? Really starting at point 
square one. And by the way, that is not a place that uh, most governments even start with, even though the governments are serving the public, people aren't taking the time to sit down with members of the public and truly understand what the experience should be from a, from a planning approval perspective, from a building approval perspective. These are really, really important uh, first steps to take. We did the same thing with planners. We did the same thing with developers in trying to help them understand you know, what their major needs were. And we understood from them, uh, they're interested in optimizing the capacity for their designs. You know, If I changed my designs by 600 square feet, how will that impact how many more lots we can serve in this particular jurisdiction? So it's an interesting exercise. But yeah, homeowners was one of the groups and then planners and developers were definitely another. You know what? One of the things that I think we've covered in in prior podcast discussions, but but certainly as as Steve and I uh, have talked with uh, planners and and uh, developers and advocates, one of the themes that that has come up is sort of a, a difference in access to planning resources and, and access to that understanding. You know, sort of if you know what you're doing and if you're professional, you have access and you know what you know how to how to look through all the codes and and move forward. But if you don't that access to planning, that gap can make it all that much harder to redevelop, to develop affordable housing, to do commercial space uh, you know, in, in your community. So it sounds like this uh, is one step and uh, a, a big step in closing that gap. That's exactly right. I mean, I'll tell you, Corey, I'm an attorney myself, and even I have a difficult time navigating the zoning codes, the planning codes, that dictate what can be built in our cities, right? <laughs> so imagine someone who is far less sophisticated in laws and regulations, didn't have the training that I had, trying to understand what they can even do with a piece of property, or you know, policymakers trying to understand what's possible and plan for that in advance before those laws go into effect. So the implications of a technology like this is not just for people who are, you know, perhaps more sophisticated like developers, like planners, but it's also primarily for homeowners, the large, the vast majority of the public who just wants to understand some of the basic questions. And then, you know, at, over time, we'll get them much farther along in that workflow in terms of getting something built, you know, having control over their data and the regulations that dictate what they can do. But yeah, that's uh, that's our our hope is that, you know, access to these regulations becomes sort of more uh, proliferated and not to mention the policymakers to have access to these tools to perform these hypotheticals before those laws go into effect so that they can understand what the impact of those regulations will have across a jurisdiction and not have to wait until after the fact. That is really remarkable. And I think that, uh, you know, one thing that we often try to think about is how do you gain scale and kind of getting housing put into place? Because uh, oftentimes, uh, you know, people don't realize that, you know, putting relatively, you know, small buildings in different neighborhoods or um, it, and mom and pop owners and all of that kind of thing really contribute to the affordable housing in neighborhoods. But it's really hard to get to those individuals and the easier that you can make it for them, right? The the more likely they're they're able to, you know, add a unit or two, which once which that scale really is remarkable. It can have huge effects 
what you've done is really bridge something that's really been a mom and pop one-off kind of thing and given that opportunity to, to many, many more people. I imagine that like through building this and, and through putting all of this together, you, you get a vision into the future of planning and the future of the housing market, things like that. Like, what are some of the things that you see as you, as you consider the future? You know, it's a great question. So when I think about how we can effectuate change and that change, I think we can all agree needs to happen because of the fact that there is such a deep housing crisis in at least the state of California where Symbium is based and certainly in other states as well. It's not just California that has a housing crisis. But in order to effectuate, you know, 3 million more homes uh, in X number of years, drastic things need to happen for that to take place. It's not enough that we have companies, although it's nice, it's nice that we have companies that are providing, you know, um, some uh, funding and grants to fund 10 ADUs in this jurisdiction, 20 or 50 in this other jurisdiction, but it's not nearly enough. I mean, really significant innovations like the type that I'm describing that Symbium is working on need to take place. And those drastic measures are what will solve these housing crises. So, you know, I think from our perspective, the work starting with planning and, and housing in terms of, you know, streamlining that regulations for the public and streamlining that workflow for the public is important because the way we effectuate change is mobilizing the public. It's not empowering one or two individuals or building a few more homes. That's not going, that's just putting a bandaid on the problem, but mobilizing the public and empowering them with the knowledge of what's possible and how to get it done is going to get us much farther ahead, much faster. So, you know, our idea is that Complaw tech that is proprietary to us is going to revolutionize the public's experience of anything that is highly regulatory in nature, including obviously housing, which is where we're starting, but eventually going into other areas of government, going into insurance, financial services, so many more areas. It's really interesting to, to think about what else can be touched uh, by this approach. I do want to think about a little bit um, you know, with your point about mobilizing the public. What are you seeing from uh, you know, uptake of, of the program? Are you seeing a lot of interest and in, in growing interest in, in ADUs or, or um, other, other types of development? You know, it's a great question, Corey. So uh, definitely seeing an uptick in the interest of ADUs. And I think it's probably because more and more people are learning about Symbium.com and, you know, learning that it exists as a tool available to them for the purposes of planning feasibility on their properties. But um, generally, we're learning that people feel very excited about the prospect of having this type of control and not having to ask a, an expensive consultant or try to navigate the regulations uh, on their own. So I think the, the response has been overwhelmingly positive when we've demoed this in person at different housing fairs, which we were doing, you know, before the, right before the pandemic, right around when we launched. And certainly now as we're engaging with more, you know, of the public, whether it's through podcasts or partnerships with MLS uh, services, we're, we're seeing that as we're doing our demos, people's faces really light up when we show 
you know, uh, an ADU design that you can visualize dropped right onto your parcel and you can move it around. It'll change color based on whether it's allowed in that location or not allowed. And, you know, so simple things like that, those interactions that really are very telling of what the public wants to experience. And so I think the response has been overwhelmingly positive and we're constantly getting questions about when are you guys going to add this feature? And what if I want to build a fence or a deck? <laughs> so, you know, I think we're, we're heading in that direction. <laughs> now, there was one point you brought up earlier too, that it was interesting. You talked about uh, non-discretionary rules. What about the discretionary aspect of it where you have, you know, local overrides of, of decisions and, and so on? How do you factor that in? So in those cases, at the direction of some of our city partners and some of the guidance that they provided to us, we'll notate that right in the application. And we've put in the sufficient disclaimers that, you know, the final word is this is just a feasibility tool to kind of give you a general sense of what's possible. But the final word for any planning project is always with the city. <laughs> so you should always consult your city. And if there's, you know, a way to describe that, you know, that this particular regulation, whether it's a fire or safety or whatever, has to do with, you know, for example, how high your ceiling is, you know, how many parking spaces you have, or, uh, you know, your setbacks and how close you are to other structures. There's all kinds of different factors. We can, to some extent, write that into the application so that people are informed. But we also, in the appropriate places, put in links so that people can contact their local planning departments and, and hear for themselves. But at the very least, the response from the planning departments have been, thank you so much, because when people come to us, they're a much more informed and better educated public with regards to planning on their lots. Yeah, Layla, that, that's just fascinating to think about the, um, uh, the way it's kind of impacted folks, um, whether it's planners or homeowners. Um, and I'm sure in California, it's just uh, going to you know, have an impact and continue to grow and, and get more excitement around it. As you think about where you go next, I know California would have been a complete slam dunk since that's where you're located and the housing need is just incredibly great there. How do you determine uh, what, what the next location might be? You know, it's a, it's a tough one because there's so many states that have where, you know, we've mm -hmm. got planners and the public reaching out to us saying, hey, when can you come to North Carolina? When can you come to Texas and Florida and Louisiana and all these wonderful places uh -huh. <laughs> that we, I wish we could snap my fingers and, and activate uh, those states on our map right away. Uh, largely has to do with a few different factors. One is the need, right? So mm -hmm. we want to be expanding into areas that have a high need for tools like this. And we want to maximize our reach. So our strategy for growth is going to be based on, you know, uh, probably something that has to do with uh, the volume of the need, right? So uh, probably not going to be prioritizing very, very small cities that don't have much housing going on, or, you know, are really not sort of wanting to get too much done in terms of development. We really want to be hitting the cities and the states that are proponents of uh, data transparency and maintaining digitized data, and also uh, have a high need for tools like this, where you know they have high volume use cases. A, a majority of the population is really wanting to, um, you know, the, the, a majority of the cities really want to expand, and uh, so that's sort of part of the the way that we're going to dictate that, but. To be honest, you know, we haven't quite 
honed in on which states next because we think that there's so much work still to be done in California and we really want to master that and we want to dial that in before we start expanding to other states. Although that that is uh, coming soon. Sure. Yeah, that that makes sense. And uh, so with that additional work that you'd be doing kind of on, on the already existing, you know, kind of California uh, infrastructure, um, w- what are some of the things that you're looking to do next? Probably some better integration of our comp law services. So mm-hmm. right now we have very specific use cases and the ADU uh, example is one. And then of course, business is another where we take the commercial zoning codes and, you know, incorporate that right into the system. So those are uh, examples that we are only, you know, in a couple of cities on the business side of things. And then on the ADUs, we're coming into the state, but uh, we're really trying to get beyond that into other things that people might want to do on their properties, you know, want to build a fence, want to build a deck, want to expand by a thousand square feet. So, you know, just uh, trying to get each of those use cases and expand the scope of uh, what the regulations can cover on a particular property and adding more of, of those types of comp loss services into the experience. And then, of course, uh, permitting is a big part of that. You know, we call ourselves the permitting capital, you know, or it's finally a site where all of the permits are in one place. Uh, that is something that we want to uh, grow and extend, you know, into uh, our partnerships with different city planning departments. Oh, those are some re- some really great innovations, and you know, just thinking back to you know how we teed up the discussion today uh, with you know our continued and increasing affordability crisis and and housing shortage. How do you see Symbium specifically playing into addressing that problem? Well, you know, one of the nice things about the ADU regulations, for example, in California is that they're statewide. This is one of the drastic measures that California took that it initiated in order to solve housing statewide, one of the, one of the measures. And I think this is highly critical for any state, for any city out there, you know, really trying to get behind more housing, better access to data and regulations, more consistency, more transparency with regards to what's possible across jurisdictions, we don't have that consistency and transparency right now. You know, what you call an R1 in one jurisdiction may be called an RH1 in another jurisdiction. And so it's really hard. You know, there's pr- practically no uh, transportability if I'm a developer to be able to take my work from one city to another. It's really impossible to do that. You have to relearn entire zoning codes all over again. So this ADU, statewide ADU regulations, is hallmark. It is just a wonderful tool that I think is a great example for other states. There's another law in California, in addition to the ADU regulations, which is also statewide, and that's Senate Bill 9, which allows rezoning of certain single-family home lots to two lots, each with multiple residential units on them. And this is also in response to the housing crisis in the state. So you know, as we're rounding out the discussion on affordable housing, these are the kinds of drastic measures that governments themselves can take in order to effectuate change, in order to effectuate more housing, easier ways for developers and homeowners to build things on their lots. And this is the kind of work that Symbian wants to be a part of in order to make that stuff available to the public. And we do not take sides on whether or not 
ADU regulations are good or bad. We don't have an opinion on that. It's not our place to provide the opinion. Our place is just to take the regulations as they are and apply them as computer code so that people can do with them what they will, so that they finally understand how it applies to them. That's interesting, right? So how you've been able to automate all, all of this and, and mechanize it. But I, I wonder, like, how do you validate it? How do you know that you're right? And then in doing that, were there any cases where like, you'd go back to the planning department and they'd say, like, wow, we had no idea. That's what, uh, that's what our regulation said. It's happened a few times where our system in processing the laws and regulations has pointed out inconsistencies to us. And we're able to see that in real time using our technology. One way is we can validate it against scenarios or hypotheticals, what the scenario or hypothetical outcome might be if this regulation were true. And that is happening as we're building this code. So we, we create the scenarios, we run it through the comp law services, and then we compare the output. Uh, and we actually check with planners about that. We have planners on the team, and we also have planners from cities that we're partnering with that will tell us. In one case, you know, we were working with a very large city and we told them, hey, it looks like there's an inconsistency in your regulations. Here it is. And they literally told us, wow, we had no idea. Thanks for letting us know. We should probably take care of that right away. <laughs> so our system is actually more correct and it, it will flag inconsistencies in regulations, inconsistencies in data pretty quickly as we're actually coding it in real time. That sounds great. And uh, it's been so great hearing about this today. And and I think I certainly encourage people to look at symbium.com and learn uh, just how visually you can see how things work on an individual lot. It's uh, We can do a lot on a podcast, but, uh, but the tool um, and the visual aspects of it are really something special. So uh, thanks so much for being here. And, uh, and it's really, this I think is a, is a hopeful discussion in terms of uh, bringing you know, about changes to the, to the housing market uh, that I don't think people could have pictured just a few years ago. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Corey. I had a lot of fun. Can't wait to return to your show. The Freddie Mac Multifamily Podcast is produced and supported by a team of our Freddie Mac colleagues, including our production manager, Melissa Bosma, editor, Stephanie Heston, and audio producer, Dalton O'Colla. To listen to more and keep up with the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And check our website, mf.freddiemac.com slash research for the full catalog of podcast episodes and original Freddie Mac research.